0: Hey, it's Taylor from Free Lunch here. Before we get into today's episode, we are at the end of the year and we're doing a rating and review drive. So if you have enjoyed this year's episodes of Free Lunch, please head over to Apple or Spotify, leave a positive rating and review, take a screenshot, or just let us know the name you left it under, and then send it to me at Taylor at readthepeak.com. And we will send three people who leave ratings and reviews a Peak merch pack, including a cap, a tote bag, and a sweater. That's Taylor at ReadThePeak.com. Thanks so much for listening this year. Really appreciate you all and appreciate your support in growing the show. Now on to the episode. And welcome to a special end of year edition of Free Lunch by the Peak. Today on the podcast, we're going to review some of our predictions from last year and see how accurate they were. You know, we're a podcast that believes in accountability above all else. So, this is an opportunity to hold ourselves accountable for the things that we put out there. And then we're going to look at what's to come in the year ahead and maybe do a little bit of review of the year that has just passed. So, joining me again. This year is Sarah Bartnica, as usual, and also the host of our sister podcast, The Peak Daily, Brett Chang.
1: Always a pleasure. My once a year cameo.
2: Thanks for making time, Brett.
0: And uh, probably we'll keep it to that. But (laughs) I think a good place to start would be just looking at last year's predictions. Uh, Because, you know, a lot of pundits, they'll just put stuff out there. Right. And then there's never any check on you know whether those predictions came true uh you know how can they be trusted but we're going to do things differently this year we're going to look at the predictions we made last year and see how they stack up with what actually happened so start with the trends to watch predictions that we made around this time last year brett's prediction was a generative ai would have a breakout here now how do you feel about that prediction i think it's pretty good
1: i feel great about that prediction I'm not sure you could have made a better prediction in my mind. <laughs> and in fairness to
2: you, this was like three weeks after ChatGPT was released. So that was actually very, very smart of you.
1: Yeah. Once I could have a debate between Shakespeare and Reagan, I knew this was going to be transformational. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, it really was the year of AI. So I feel like you get some points for that, points. that prediction. You get a lot of points for that, I think. Yeah. Sarah, your prediction was that the EU would push uh, more regulation on big tech. That was your trend to watch. How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, like I I think I played it pretty safe with my trend, but it definitely did end up happening uh, in a very big way and reached a high point this week because the EU unveiled, I think the first AI rules unveiled. They finalized them. They won't be in effect until 2025, but um, it's definitely happening. They also did the digital services act, mm-hmm. the digital markets act, mm-hmm. a lot of digital acts regulating digital players doing digital things. So they're really really there no one is harder than working than I like no one is working harder I think than EU lawyers. Mm-hmm. So I hope that, that they're getting bonuses this year. They,
1: they say there are three things in life you can count on, death, taxes and EU regulation.
2: US so are, you discount,
1: are you discounting <laughs> the value of
0: the prediction then? Because you think it's, it was overly it was safe. Prediction. It was a safe prediction.
2: Yeah. I, I think
0: agree. It, I, I would agree it was a pretty safe prediction, but it was true. Also, it did come true. And there was more, a lot more, uh, EU tech regulation this year. So I'm going to, I'll award you, uh, I'll award you a point for that.
2: Good. Okay. Thank
0: Uh, you. my prediction was that, uh, there would be a lot more gene editing in medicine and, uh, you know, technological breakthroughs in that space this year, I think that I am going to give myself a point for that. And I'll let you jump in if you disagree. Uh, because just, you know, just ahead of the buzzer, we did get FDA approval on a, a gene editing therapy for You're really
1: cut
2: it sickle close.
0: cell disease last week. So I, th- I think that's a, I think that deserves a point.
2: That's a point for sure.
1: I stick to my sphere of competency and the world of biotech is outside of that. So I can either award you nor decline you a point.
2: I think this is a perfect moment to jump into Brett's prediction for the following year. Which I agree. We a- should get
1: into the, <laughs> th- so these were, we did trends to
0: watch and then we did, uh, you know, harder predictions that we could say either happened or did not happen. Um, Brett's prediction was that there would be an end to the war in Ukraine. It was a. it was a, gutsy call.
2: Do you want to talk about
0: that? Uh, it didn't happen, Yeah, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's sad, and yeah. so it's bad that the war is continuing. Um, At the time, I just thought it was unsustainable on both sides, but they've now... You know, I think modern warfare, when you look at it, this is what always happens, is it comes to a stalemate, and I should have thought about that at the time, but I didn't. And so I'll, I'll take a loss on it, but again, I'm here to make bold predictions i'm not playing it safe i'm not saying oh, there's gonna be more regulation i'm saying you know here's something's gonna happen and maybe it happens maybe it doesn't and i take accountability when it doesn't happen but I thought it was bold yeah and the I, important thing is you take accountability
2: i was also wrong i said consumer spending would drop and it didn't for most of the year yeah. it's kind of started to taper off now with canadians being a bit more strategic with the black friday sales but Ultimately, like the behavior up until the midpoint of the year was very confusing for economists and I think very upsetting for central bankers.
0: I think overall it is still up on the year though. Yeah. Unfortunately. I was wrong. Uh, My prediction was that we would achieve a soft landing and I'm going to take a victory lap for that. I think we have achieved a soft land. the, The Federal Reserve has achieved a soft landing. In Canada, I said it would be a little bit more touch and go. And I think that's exactly what's happened.
1: Yeah, I'll give that one to you for sure. Uh, we got a soft landing. Credit to credit where credit is due to Jerome Powell and our Absolutely. boy T Mac Tiff Macklem, yep. who played kind of a supporting role in the whole thing. But it happened, and it's incredible. I, you know, most people can't really tell you how it happened, but it did happen. Yeah, that's true.
0: All right. The third area of forecasting from last year was a game called Macro Bullseye, which we are abandoning this year. We will not be doing Macro Bullseye again, but let's just go through it anyway uh, for the sake of, of reviewing. So the uh, concept here was that we would each predict where inflation and the Bank of Canada's interest rate would be at this time. And uh, we'll start with mine because I was off. I said 2.5% inflation and 4% interest rate. So inflation latest inflation read is 3.1%. I think when this comes out, we'll have a new new data on that. But latest we have is 3.1% and then interest rates are at 5%. So I was off by, by quite a bit. I thought we would have uh, a rate cut or two or perhaps not rising as high as they did. And that was that was incorrect. Bad I think call. you were the
2: most right because Brett and I overshot inflation.
0: Okay. Well, Sarah, you had four and a half percent inflation, and then interest rate, you kind of hedged a little bit. You said either four point seven five or five percent. So you're, the upper bound of that was correct.
2: That's true. My outlook was pretty negative, which was the only reason why I got the policy rate right, because I also thought inflation would be at four point five, which in hindsight Thankfully, I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not. But it's funny because we actually surveyed readers at the end of last year as well and asked them what they thought it was going to be. And the whole vibe was very, very negative. Um, yeah. Most people said that they thought inflation would be over 5%. So, you know, if so if you were one of those people, just we have a little bit to we have a little bit to celebrate this year. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Provided
2: you're yeah. not renewing your mortgage.
0: And Brett, you had 4% inflation and 4.25% policy rate.
1: Yeah, I didn't like this segment. I'm happy we're killing it. Yeah. Uh, well, it shows in the performance. But
0: this year, we're going to do some new some new segments. So sort of our retrospective segment on the year, I'm calling uh, overrated, underrated. So in this segment, I'm going to give you some topics, some things that have been in the news this year, and you can tell me if you think that they're... Overrated or underrated? And give me a a brief explanation of each one. So let's start with generative AI. Sarah, what do you think? Overrated or underrated?
2: Okay, stick with me here. I think it's underrated because I don't think anyone's... And so I think that like once people really get up to speed with it, teams start to get trained up, like then we'll be using it properly.
1: Brett, anecdotally, when I go to a coffee shop or if I'm in a library, I'll always see... If there's a group of 10 people, two or three of their screens will have ChatGPT on it. They're actively using it for something to help them write something or summarize something. And that's pretty incredible. There's not a lot of other products that you see out in the wild that people are consistently using. So I think it's underrated. I actually think it's properly rated. But, you know, I'll, I'll say it's underrated to create more hype around it. Properly rated is also an option. You can go with properly rated. If oh, you
2: good. Want. I okay. think it's
1: properly rated. I think people are excited about it. There's a lot of potential there. It gets a ton of coverage. I think it's properly rated.
0: I think it's still slightly underrated because I still see, you know, a significant number of people saying, oh, this is like the next crypto, which we'll get to soon. This is not going to actually achieve anything. Um, and, you know, all it's good for is producing stale marketing copy. And I don't think that's right. So once those people have, have gone away, then I'll say maybe properly rated. But I'll, for now, I think underrated. Okay. Open AI, staying in the same vein, let's look at Open AI, the organization itself, and its potential as a, uh, you know, on the leading edge of developing AI. Brett, do you think
1: overrated, properly rated, or underrated? I think it's overrated. And the reason why is I saw some research yesterday that the open source models are beginning to perform very well. And so this is led by companies like Facebook that have meta, that have open sourced their models and are contributing to a pool of development where collectively a bunch of developers are working on this simultaneously. The idea behind OpenAI was that it wasn't going to be so open. They had this proprietary behind-the-scenes model that would perform significantly better than everyone else. Google would have their model. Each of the big tech companies would have their own independent models that would do very well. But the open-source models, if they do perform or start outperforming the closed models, open AI becomes much less relevant than they are today in the world of generative AI.
2: But do you think they still have some secrets?
1: Well, I think we all have secrets. (laughs) Yeah. Like, look, when you have a company that has been able to attract some of the best talent in a field... Of course, there's going to be, that can be said for Google as well, though. Mm -hmm. So if you put it in the context of just if you take away the open source models and you say open AI relative to Google, relative to meta, the talent is approximately the same. Maybe speed to market and the ability to develop products might be a bit different, but the talent is about the same. So just as I think OpenAI has secrets, I also think that Google has secrets, I think Meta has secrets, and nobody's really showing their cards. And so it's impossible to evaluate who is actually better positioned for this. OpenAI was better at go to market than all of them. Now, will that continue to be the case? Or will it be that someone like Google that has a vast source of data that can train these models will ultimately outperform OpenAI because they have just such built-in advantage?
2: I agree with you. The only moment- So you're saying
1: Underrated? Or sorry, overrated.
2: Well, I started to feel like they were overrated when leadership did the wired photo shoot for the cover. Mm. And that's when I thought, okay, we all gotta we gotta pump the brakes a little bit here too. Cause it was yeah, it was it was very it was very glamorized. But I think under the hood, I will say that act specifically, but under the hood, it's still very exciting and it's gonna be interesting to watch what happens.
1: I'm gonna
0: go with overrated. Uh, I think that there's a good chance that the way people end up using AI will just be on devices that they already own. And so the people who own those devices and are building the chips for them will have an advantage that uh, OpenAI and Microsoft do not have. And I also think that the structure of the company is going to continue to be a thorn in the side of of OpenAI. And that's just a problem that Google and Apple and Meta Do not have.
2: But do we think they'll make a phone?
0: An open AI
1: phone?
2: Like Sam Altman has kind of talked about, or do you think he would do that under a different...
1: I'll do it separate from them. And that's like to the point of a corporate structure. It's all such a mess to begin with. And there's no effort to really fix that. So I think it's only going to get worse. Mm. Okay. Crypto. Overrated,
0: underrated, properly rated, Sarah.
2: Well, we just had... um, friend of the pod, Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And I'm still mulling over his comments about, I think, some of the uses of crypto. I think it is very much overrated as a currency in a developed nation where the alternative, which for us is just the Canadian dollar, is still a, a pretty good option and payments have gone pretty digital anyways. But some of the use cases around Identity verification, right? Like, kind of those more nuanced um, technological applications. I think that might be a little bit underrated, and those use cases could be something to keep an eye out on.
1: Brett? I think crypto is deeply underrated right now. And my reasoning behind it is there's this concept of Lindy. These are things that have always been and will continue to be. And you know what Lindy is? Speculative Mm -hmm. assets. There will always be the need in the public consciousness for things to bet on, to gamble with. Sports betting, casinos, these have existed for a really long time. And I think crypto now falls into that category. And for that reason, I don't think it's going away. Are there going to be a practical use cases for it? I have no idea. I can't speak to that. But the narrative of having a speculative asset that could turn into something big, I think is getting stronger again with the election of Mille in Argentina and a few macro developments that you're starting to see now a resurgence, in, a resurgence in crypto. And I believe that by the end of 2024, we'll likely have seen another boom in the space. Now, whether that produces anything real or material remains to be seen. But I think that crypto is now just part of the speculative milieu of asset classes among retail investors, and that will never go away. Interesting. So underrated, not because it has
0: untapped, you know, real world applications, but underrated just because you think it's going to have another speculative boom.
1: Yeah, the technology is irrelevant to it now. I think that there is enough of a narrative around crypto that sticks, and that different global macro developments can influence enough that people get interested again. The Bitcoin narrative itself is pretty sustaining when you think about it. It's that there's all these countries that are too indebted, that their currencies are devalued, and that there needs to be a new digital currency to replace that, that has a limited supply and a price that's determined by a true market. The more that there, more global instability there is, the more that that narrative becomes true for a lot of folks, which means the more money that goes into crypto, into Bitcoin specifically, but then that kind of cascades down into other crypto assets as well. Hmm. Do you find that persuasive, Sarah?
2: I just... What do you think of that image alongside, I guess, governments ramping up regulation on crypto? I feel like that it becomes less attractive, I guess, in like in that way as a speculative asset once it's like, once these companies and these trading platforms are like meeting the same requirements as financial institutions.
1: Hmm. The internet is the wild west now. <laughs> I just don't think you can regulate this anymore. It's too global and there will always, it's, it reminds me a lot of, Online gaming before the Supreme Court ruling in the US that made it legal, people still bet online. They just bet on Bodog in the Isle of Man subsidiary that they were able to access. That was illegal for them to do, but they still did it. And you saw this year some of the strongest action taken against crypto, some of the biggest actors shown to be fraudulent. Yet Bitcoin is now reaching back at heights that were last seen in 2020, 2021. So to me, it's the longer that it's around, the more likely that it will continue to exist. I think that is uh, predicated on this idea that there's always going to be speculative markets. And we're just looking at one that is a digital version of other formats of it in the past. Taylor, what do you think? I think it is overrated. I think that
0: the Americans will kill it. I think the SEC will kill it. Is that your prediction for the year? No, it's not my prediction for the year. Sounds like a prediction to me. I think I just think that the the risk of that is high enough that even the the amount of money that's in it now is too
1: much. The reason why I'll, I'll oppose that is because the amount of legislative action that's required to make that happen, it is when the when Congress itself can't ban something like TikTok, which is like a very popular thing to do. Which was one of my predictions from last year. Their inability to do something like that that's overwhelmingly popular. To me, it looks like it's even less likely that they'll ban something like crypto, which is far more contentious among senators and Congress people. It's possible. I don't feel strongly enough about it to call it
0: a an official uh, free lunch prediction. So let's move on. Cybertruck. So if you're not familiar with Cybertruck, you haven't seen it, just Google search an image for it to get a sense of what we're talking about here. But Brett, Cybertruck, overrated, underrated?
1: Underrated. Uh, I think that the global car market is moving towards electric, and there's no stopping it. And Tesla just being the largest electric car producer in the US, and the pickup truck being the number one most most purchased vehicle in the US. uh, I think the Cybertruck will do well. Sarah,
2: I don't agree. I think it's overrated. Reason A, why does it look like that? And it's like, it feels
1: the future. That's why. We're living in the future. Okay. So it was, <laughs> I
2: actually have it written in front of me too, because so it was, this is my argument. Okay. So it was reportedly inspired by Blade Runner and the car driven by James Bond in the Spy Who Loved Me. But that car also doubled as a submarine. So this car <laughs> is not a submarine. And until it's a submarine, submarine, I think it's, I think it's overrated.
0: I think, uh, Underrated. I think that the Cybertruck will be popular, much to my disappointment, and you know it gives me no pleasure to say that, but I think the Cybertruck will be popular amongst a a certain segment of people who feel like the world is becoming more chaotic and more dangerous, and they you know want something that feels like it's secure,
2: like the new Honda CRV. It's just going to be a (laughs) bunch of moms pulling into Target in their (laughs) Cybertruck.
0: Yeah. Okay. Last one, overrated, underrated, uh, Twitter slash X.
2: I don't know how to feel. I think overrated at this point. I think you need to do so many tweaks with your own algorithm just to get the experience that you want these days and not go down a deep, dark hole. Um, And so for that reason, um, I think overrated. I I also don't Think that Linda Yaccarino knows how to use Twitter as <laughs> maybe the right mm. person to um, have at the helm of this company. So I don't feel I don't feel I don't feel good about it. Um, but I, I will remain on it. And I also think that those of us that are on Twitter, um, I think overestimate how important it is. Like most of the population doesn't tweet; is not on Twitter, and so it's such a small group of us. And um, so I'll be interested to see if it maintains relevance. But I, I don't I don't have high hopes.
0: But how come no one can make a clone? That's what I'm... Like, why, why has a real alternative well, and we not saw sprung this out? year
1: the meta try with threads. Yeah. This is why I think it is properly rated in that there is a possibility that it dies because advertisers collectively pull off of the platform and Elon Musk just personally subsidizes its existence. I think that's probably the most likely outcome here. Now, how long that can keep going for remains to be seen. But for whatever reason, there is a viral coefficient... To the platform that makes it very challenging for a competitor to come along and replace it and so for that reason I think it's I think it's probably net underrated
0: yeah I agree I think I think it's underrated as well I think there's a great business in Twitter and I've always felt that way and it just has not been unlocked I think there's a a, a much better business than exists right now not a Facebook level business but a pretty good business and it's it's just never been a good business
2: okay so how much would you pay for twitter
0: to purchase it right now you know this is embarrassing <laughs> to admit but i was prior to it being taken private i was a twitter shareholder okay and i over so you did i did it, yeah i did and i overpaid i overpaid so
2: something that you and elon have in
0: common <laughs> yeah exactly Both overpaid for Twitter. Yeah, not as much as him though So anyway, you know, take my view of it with a grain of salt because I do spend way too much time on Twitter. It's the only social media I use. All right. Thank you. That's overrated, underrated, uh, our retrospective of the year. Let's talk about trends to watch in 2024. You give me...
2: I'm going to keep it really short here, but I think billionaires have been talking for a very long time about building cities. You know, we're cities that we have, I guess we've tried them, they haven't worked. We're going to build new ones. We have Bill Gates that have been had that has been talking about a smart city in Arizona. Um, we have Mark Lore talking about building a smart city and there was a really interesting article earlier this year that came out about, you know, this this kind of unnamed company that was putting a bunch of money into buying up land in the United States presumably to build you know, some, some cities. So I don't think that the concept is a new one, right? Building these smart walkable, you know, 15 kind of minute cities. But I think we might see a push in that direction. Um, and we've already seen it across the pond too. We've seen Neom in Saudi Arabia. Um, I want to see how that unfolds. And I don't, I don't think it's too far reaching. I think we might see a smart city, maybe break ground in the, in the United States this year.
1: Okay. Brett, 2024, well, let me set the stage. Mark Zuckerberg made a big bet on the Metaverse, changed the whole company's name to Meta. His recent attempts, I think, have been failures. There's no mass adoption of the Oculus Pro headset, but I do think that 2024 is going to be the year that AR and VR becomes a real thing. Finally, I know we've all been waiting for it. And the reason why I think that is because the Apple Vision Pro will be released in January, February, and I believe it will follow the same adoption curve as other new Apple product lines. So if you remember the Apple Watch, people would ridicule the Apple Watch. Who's going to wear this? The battery is so bad. Same thing with the iPad, just a big iPhone. Who needs a big iPhone? All of these products, they come to market. They're never perfect. There are first adopters that want to buy them. The product is already generally good, though, and will only get better from there. And the fact that Apple is taking a leap to release this and Tim Cook is putting his flag in the ground that this is going to be his legacy product, the only new, net new product that he's released I think is a pretty big step for the company and they mm-hmm. wouldn't do this naively. And so I think the Apple Vision Pro will be a huge success and I think that AR and VR will become an increasingly important part of our lives. Okay, interesting. Another tech trend
0: prediction from you. You were right with AI, so. Yeah, they call me Cutting Edge Chang for a reason. They do. They do say that. All right. My trend to watch is uh, the proliferation and uh, innovation in the weight loss drug category. I know that we already have weight loss drugs out there. People are already taking them. But I think the impact of this on our economy and on society is still pretty limited. And that's going to change in 2024. I think when you look at even what's on the market now, the impact on other industries is going to be enormous. Clothing, fashion, dating apps, uh, alcohol, fast food—all these things are going to be impacted by these drugs. I also say I'm bullish on high-end fitness because I think as people take these drugs, they're going to look for ways to improve. You know, have a, a healthier, more active lifestyle. It's easier when you're not, uh, you know, really overweight to do stuff like that. So, things like berries, all these expensive fitness classes, maybe Equinox. I'm bullish on that. And then there's a bunch of other drugs in the same space coming down uh, the pipe that could be approved in 2024 or enter human trials. So, there's one called Ribelsis, which is a one that you can take orally so you don't have to inject Delicious. it. That's, <laughs> that's uh Likely going to be approved by the FDA in 2024 for weight loss. Um, And then there's a couple other ones that are being developed. Uh, Eli Lilly has a new oral drug that's in uh, development right now, which has even stronger results in some of the early trials. And then there's another category called triple agonists, which work a little bit differently. So not only do they suppress appetite and cravings, they also cause you to consume more energy. And these work even faster in some of the early trials. So uh, Novo Nordisk reduced fat mass in mice by 55% on this drug in one month, which is pretty remarkable. Now, that's just animal testing. So who knows if it carries over to humans. But I think there's a lot of innovation in the space that's on the way. And I think
1: a lot of people are going to be on these drugs, a lot of people. For the sake of the integrity of the podcast, may I ask if you're a shareholder in any of the listed... I am. <laughs> Eli, <laughs> I am. Absolutely. I put my money where my mouth is. I'm an Eli Lilly shareholder. I'm long LLY. Absolutely. What if, what if people stop taking it? You know, it's they lose the weight while they're on the drug. They have to currently inject themselves on a yeah. weekly basis with it. If they stop, they just go right back to where they were before. So how do you... Yeah, the evidence is that most people who stop
0: regain much of the... The weight that they lost, you know, you have to make lifestyle changes. But I, this is partially why I'm a shareholder in Eli Lilly. You have to keep taking it forever to for the results to be consistent. And I think they will get a lot cheaper too. So right now, they're the barrier to entry is is quite high because they're expensive. But you know, when Viagra first came out, it was a hundred bucks a pill. Now it's a buck or two for you know the generic Viagra alternatives. I think you're going to see the same cost trend with these as the patents expire and open up to generic manufacturers. Okay, that's Trends to Watch for 2024. We will come back next year and check in on how we did. Second last segment for this show is called Higher or Lower. So this is our replacement for Macro Bullseye uh, because it's good to have some numbers in there. You know, people love the buy the numbers segment in the newsletter. This is our numbers segment. So I'm going to give you a stat. I'm going to give you the number of that stat today and you tell me if it's going to be higher or lower when we do this show next year. Okay. Let's start with inflation. Currently 3.1% higher or lower Sarah.
2: Okay. I think lower because if there's one thing we've learned on the podcast this year is that Tiff Macklem is like Santa Claus. You have to believe Mm -hmm. in him. Uh, and only if when you believe in him, will he bring inflation down? So, because I want inflation to come down, I believe that, that he can do it.
1: Okay, Brett. Uh, it's probably lower. I was on Team Transitory. I think, by and large, Team Transitory has been proven correct. So, it's probably lower. I think lower, too. This was an easy one to start.
0: They're going to get progressively harder. Unemployment rate, Brett. Currently 5.2%, higher or lower? Higher.
2: Sarah? higher, but it's going to be so unequal across industries. Like, yeah, you'll see industries that have effectively zero unemployment. Like if you're a full stack developer or you work in hospitality, you'll be good. But I mean, already we're just seeing, you know, recruiting, marketing, we're seeing so many industries, I think that are going to hurt a lot. So it's going to be really skewed.
0: I think higher as well. Okay. The S&P 500 is currently at 4,622 as of recording Sarah, higher or lower this time next year?
2: I just think it's hard without first talking about, like, the five companies that are driving the S&P 500. So it's like, do we think that an Apple, a Microsoft, and Amazon, like, do we think that they can keep growing? And I don't know. I think I might say lower.
1: Lower. Okay. Brett. Never bet against America.
0: Higher. Higher as well. I'm bullish this year. Average Canadian home price. This is data from... Uh, the Canadian real real CREA, Canadian real estate association, real estate association. average home price. This is across all types of homes, condos, detached, etc. Six hundred fifty-six thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars. Higher or lower next year, Brett?
1: Lower, lower. Okay, Sarah, higher. higher?
2: Do we want to explain our thinking?
1: Yeah, I, I, we talked about. Well, I think Canada is going to go into a recession and a pretty prolonged one, that will mean job losses. Job losses will mean, unfortunately, that people won't be able to pay their mortgages, which means more houses on the market as they move to the rental market, and that will lower prices.
2: See, I agree with you in two years, but I think the next year, I think like there's markets like Calgary and Whatever is around Calgary, <laughs> that is that are just booming. Like people are just moving around to tend to. We're still seeing really, really high immigration numbers. Like I think in the short term, I think it's those smaller markets that are going to drive up prices. Um, that kind of have a lot to gain, and then Toronto and Vancouver are maybe just going to see a bit of a dip, if not just
0: a consistent price. I'm going to say higher as well for much of the reasons that you said, Sarah. I think that the demand from People uh, from the population growth that we're experiencing is going to offset any of the uh, affordability issues because people need to live somewhere. Which brings me to the next stat average rent currently $2,175 across the country. Higher or lower, Sarah?
2: Higher because of re- like renewals. There's still a lot of people that aren't paying. I think like as people are moving, like the rents will skyrocket.
1: I'll be contrarian, I'll say lower. Why? Because I imagine that in parts of the country, there will be greater action taken, regulatory action taken on rents, primarily rent control, which will either cap or lower uh, existing rent.
2: Interesting.
0: Okay. I'm going to say higher. I think I agree with you that that's going to happen, but I think it will take longer than the next 12 months to work its way through the system. And in the meantime, for much the same reason that housing prices will go up, rents will go up as well. Supply constraints. All right, last one: higher or lower? Nvidia stock price. Nvidia, of course, the chip maker that's boomed as AI has taken off. Currently, four hundred and sixty-six dollars. Will it be higher or lower next year? I will start this one. I'm going to say lower. Wow. I'm going to say lower. I think uh, Nvidia will face more competition and has you know plenty of advantages, but is currently too expensive. And this is not to discount the Uh, importance of AI or the potential of AI,
1: but I don't think that NVIDIA will uh, be where it is today, next year. Brett? I'll say higher. They just have a monopoly right now. And until that monopoly is broken over the, what they call the H 3000 chips or whatever, until the monopoly on the most complicated, sophisticated, most powerful AI chips is broken, then it will continue to, to go up.
2: I think AMD just released some pretty promising chips. So I'm with you on that. There's going to be more competition. I think it'll go up like a little bit. Not a lot. But if I was to do a stock pick, I think I'd do AMD. I might buy one AMD stock and then we can we can circle back.
0: This is not it, financial advice. On by how it did. Are this are is, not do not take this financial no.
2: advice because it's not that. <laughs>
0: uh, we also didn't talk about Chinese chip development, which could have been a trend to watch, I think, but the progress being made there that will have implications for Nvidia as well I would think. Okay, last segment, best book you've read this year. What's one book you would recommend to our listeners? Sarah.
2: Um last year I said How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, which I still like. It's a book about Stoicism. I think everyone should read it. It's a great book. This year, if we're going to talk about a business book...
0: It doesn't have to be. Mine's not.
2: I think that's I think that's what our audience... Well, our audience is going to want then at least one business book. So like, I'll keep with my business book pick. I read Red Notice this year and it was... You the, know, the Bill Browder? Just, yeah. yeah. The Bill Browder book about high finance in... Russia um, and yeah, like his time just being, uh, yeah, being an investor finance guy over there and dealing with oligarchs and but like it was, it's a crazy book. You should read it. His account is very interesting. Um, and I also found it interesting that our our uh, finance minister and deputy prime minister Christia Freeland has a mention in the book mm-hmm. as a as a source for Lundberg. yeah. He had he helped her get a scoop at the time for.
1: I believe they were romantically entwined, if I remember correctly.
2: He describes her as a very pretty yeah. brunette in the book. which Is that I, true?
1: I, yeah. Interesting.
2: So that, you know, we're, Report- we're not take that from, take that from
1: what Take that from what it is. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I do remember reading that. Reportedly. Yeah. I don't
2: know. It's a good, it's a good book. Um, I recommend.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay, Brett, your book. Um, great year for books. Holy smokes. Uh, lots to choose from.
2: Atomic mm-hmm. Habits.
1: New Year, New You. Um, you know, I'm rereading Poor Charlie's Almanac in memory of Charlie Munger who passed away this year at 102. Um, and it's scattered, it's all over the place, but there are some really good nuggets in it. And I think it's a good read for anyone. Yeah. Like I said, you'll read it and a lot of it, you'll be like, not super applicable to me, but some of it very applicable and very helpful. And so I'd recommend and and Stripe Press created by the Collison Brothers has published a new version which is nice. It's like uh, you can read it online for free, you can get the audiobook for free, and you can buy a nice hardcover that is well designed and laid out. So is this sort of snippets of wisdom from Charlie? Yeah, so exactly. So it's it's yeah, so he's made a bunch of speeches throughout his career. Mm. So when he has a framework of how he evaluates businesses at Berkshire Hathaway, which is interesting and helpful, especially if you're interested in entrepreneurship. And then on top of that, he has speeches that he's made with nuggets of wisdom that he's collected from all these different disciplines and how he entwines it into his worldview and how he kind of views what's going on. And I think it's very enduring stuff. Okay. Interesting. My
0: book recommendation is Children of Memory by Adrian Tchaikovsky. It's a fiction book just to switch things up a little bit. And I'm recommending it because I'm not going to go into the whole the whole plot, but I think it's the most interesting and nuanced exploration of what it means to be conscious and intelligent and what that might look like in non-human uh, entities. In this case, it's birds, but I think the uh, parallels between that and AI is really interesting. And it's also just a great story. So that's my pick for the year. And that is our end of year wrap up show for 2023. Thank you all for listening throughout the past 12 months. It's been a great year. Uh, Thank you for spending your time with us and we'll see you back in the new year.